all along, we had this belief that, you know, God is going to eventually come through. Things will pick up, we'll get back on our feet, we'll save the farm, and, you know, God promised to supply all our needs, which is true, but he had other plans, you know, which we are grateful for now. But, but at that time, it was very, very difficult to see things go down, 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 and God not making any kind of a move to help us. That's what it looked like to us at that time. I'd say always be watching for God to speak in some way or another, you know. Like God is always ready to speak and he has things to say, definitely. We just have to have an ear for, for him, you know. Hey y'all, welcome to episode 9 of the Farmers of Faith podcast, a place where farmers can share what God has done and is doing in their farm, their family, and their life. In today's episode, Larry and Pat share with us their journey thus far. And as you're about to hear, God had different plans for them than what they would have imagined. And the ways that God has spoken to Larry are truly inspiring, not to mention challenging. To be on the lookout for the ways that God is wanting to speak to us as we go throughout our day. A bit of housekeeping, uh, don't mind the weird clicks that show up a time or two. Uh, that was just me trying to adjust the microphone and whatnot. But um, yeah, other than that, please enjoy. I feel like I should know more about you guys because... You're my mom and dad's neighbor. <laughs> yeah. But, uh. We probably know more about you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What kind of stories do my mom and dad tell about? Oh, we're not going there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Where, where were you born? Where did you grow up? Oh, where did I grow up? All over the place. <laughs> oh, really? I was born in Estrella. My parents were living at Gerald. At the okay. time, dad was an elevator agent there. Okay. And then from there, he went to, Try farming again at Wellwyn on his dad's farm. That didn't pan out. Mm. So he went to Tantalon as an elevator agent there. Mm. And from there he went back into the Air Force because he'd been in the Air Force during the war. Oh, And wow. he went back into the Air Force again and, uh, took up a career as a instrumentation technician. And, uh, so since he was in the Air Force, we had to move all the time. We lived in different places like Edmonton and airbase in Edmonton, Ottawa, the airbase in Ottawa. Oh, wow. When halfway through grade 11, I moved to Moose Jaw, took my grade 12, then I went to university in Saskatoon. Okay. So we were all over the place. So I was always a new kid in the class. You know? uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Both. Like, yeah. sort of a bad thing because I never grew up with anybody, never had any lifelong friends. Yeah. At the same time, I learned how to meet new people all the time. Right. Yeah. You know? So I, I got along well but never had any long-lasting friends. Right, yeah. So when you went to university, what what did you go for? Agriculture. Oh, okay. And what, what prompted that? In Well, I was interested in agriculture because during my later growing up years, let's say in high school, I used to come out for the summer holidays to work for my uncle on his farm. Okay. So I spent my summers. And so that got me interested in farming. Mm -hmm. So then I thought... I like agriculture, so I went and took a degree in agriculture. Mm -hmm. But I didn't follow up on it. I kind of hung my degree up in the barn and 
with farming. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. My uncle gave me a chance to start farming with him. I bought a quarter section and a tractor, and I lived at his place, and I worked for him. And then a couple of years later, I bought out his neighbor. I took out a a loan and or mortgage, I guess you'd say, and I bought out his neighbor's land, cattle, and machinery as a lump. Oh, wow. Bought his operation out. From there, I was farming on my own, pretty much. Wow. Yeah. And sorry, where where was this? Like Spy where Hill. You, Spy Hill. Oh, okay. Okay. Studied my uncle's place for a couple of years farming with him. And when I bought that, my own farm, I moved over there. Okay, it came with a house. Yes. Nice. A house, uh, machinery, and land. And cattle. And cattle. Yeah. How many cows? 25. Oh, okay. It wasn't a big herd, but it was basically what the wasteland would support. Oh, yeah. Like as much pasture and and you know wild hay that I, you know right because it was uncultivatable land so i made money off the cattle instead of the land basically uh, you know farming yeah. the land so did your uncle have cows too? yes he did yeah oh, okay so you were somewhat familiar with yeah so, oh, okay did you enjoy cows or no, was i hated them yeah <laughs> oh i hated them <laughs> they were all, if they weren't getting out i was fixing fence anyway you mm-hmm. know and mm-hmm. On the weekend, you'd like to go somewhere. Well, you can still stay home and fix fence, you know. <laughs> no, I couldn't yeah. get rid of them quick enough. Okay, yeah, yeah. But So then, how did you come into the picture, Pat? I lived eight miles across country from where he did, okay. where he bought the farm. But we met at the curling rink, of course. And, and, oh. And so I was, totally, I was totally opposite. I was born in Russell, and I never moved until we got married. Like I was on the farm where I'd grown up until we got married, and I worked with cattle all the time. And he hated them, and I liked them, but um, he had to do most of the work because then we had kids. <laughs> that was your excuse. Yeah. You know, I could have stayed in the house and looked after the kids, you know. <laughs> yeah. oh, we should have done that, eh? Oh, yeah, now you say that. Anyway. <laughs> so you were born in Russell. And grew up eight miles away from where? Yeah. Okay. So on I a, was on the Manitoba side, and he was on the Saskatchewan side. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, but it was eight miles across country. Okay. So you buy your neighbor's farm. Right. You guys meet at the curling rink. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of history. Yeah. <laughs> it's like all our all the American listeners will think that that's how Canadians meet. <laughs> at the curling rink? Yeah, yeah. well... <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Either the curling rink or the hockey rink, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, as far as your your guys' faith, like, what did that look like growing up? Me? Yeah. No church background at all. Okay. Like, well, I guess I did go to Sunday school with a couple of friends maybe three times in the whole growing up, you know. And so we didn't have a church background at all. Okay. That was just wasn't something that your parents no. were were your mom and dad like were were they together your whole life? Oh yes, they were. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How about you, Pat? Uh, we didn't go to church at all either. Um, mm-hmm. My my dad's family were all Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, okay. And yeah. so there was a little bit of a tension sort of thing there. So uh, dad never ever joined the Jehovah's Witnesses, but yeah, so we never ever went to church. Actually, Larry accepted the Lord 
just about the time we met, and I accepted the Lord just about the time Jeremy was born. Oh, okay. Jeremy's your oldest. Yeah. 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 So how what happened in your life that you came to know the Lord? Well, I guess I grew up away from God, and I, when I went to university, I got into that crowd, that, you know, the very worldly crowd, mm-hmm. and I basically decided I was an atheist. And then I started thinking that people who had faith in God were basically, you know, <laughs> not with it very much. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> I looked down on them, and, yeah. and I, it was actually all faiths I looked down on, like Hindus and Christians mm. and Muslims, and you name it. Anybody with religion had no brains. It was my mm. outlook on life. Mm. So anyway, um, I guess... In my 24th year, 25th year, I guess, I was working in Yorkton at the time as a welder, Morris Rodweeder, and I was driving down Broadway one evening, and I spotted a Christian coffee house. And so I thought, wow, here I'm going to go in and have good conversation, you know, <laughs> shoot a bunch of these people down and go with a smoking gun, you know. Yeah. And uh, so this one guy I, I sat down and talked to, he he said... After some conversation, he said, you know, you don't really know what you're talking about, saying that the Bible's full of lies and garbage and made up stuff. He said, you've never read it, have you? And I said, no. So he said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a Bible, you read it, and then we'll get back together and have another talk. Oh, yeah. So that's how I got a Bible in my hands. And and uh, so I sat down with the Bible in my hand, and I had a notebook in the other hand. I was going to make notes of all the stuff that I could argue with. Yeah. And as it turns out, like I started in the Gospel of John where he told me to, and I had only gone about maybe four chapters in, and it just came to me suddenly, I believe this stuff. This is true. This is real. This, wow. is, this is truth, you know? Yeah. It was just a, a moment of just, you know, I can't <laughs> explain it. Hmm. God spoke to me, and I, mm-hmm. I heard it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so then I started reading the Bible you know, over and over again, just loving it, but but uh, just trying to figure it out. You know, I didn't didn't understand a lot of it, mm-hmm. but I knew that God was there. So then it wasn't until maybe a year later that um, I came to this place where I'd, I'd read the Bible enough that I knew that I was in trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of, mm-hmm. I, I know that if I die today, where I'm going, you know, wow. I knew that. I didn't know what to do about it, so I was mm-hmm sort of, in my mind, I was sort of panicking a little bit, yeah. you know, because death is coming. Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, one evening, I was sort of at the end of myself, worrying, fretting about, you know, how do I get out of this, you know? And I thought, i got to get in touch with God somehow. i got to talk to Him somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know anything about prayer, you know? didn't know mm-hmm. how to pray or anything. So... I was sort of sweating bullets, and I went out from the house, and I went out to this big rock in, the, in my pasture, north pasture, and I sat down on this rock, and I thought to myself, I'm not going back to the house until I get through to God. Hmm. I know he's there. Hmm. So I was sitting there under the stars sweating, hmm. and all of a sudden I had this, now you got to take this with a grain of salt. This wasn't a vision. It was more of a spiritual meeting, I guess you might say. Mm-hmm. But I had this feeling like 
Jesus was standing beside me, and all I, all I saw was his hand, his hand there. Mm-hmm. But I knew who it was. Hmm. Figure that out. Mm-hmm. And he said, "Rise up and follow me." And right away, I knew this is what I've been looking for all my life. So I got up and walked back to the house, and he was right there walking beside me, you know, in my mind, you know. I just felt so good. Mm-hmm. I went from being ready to sweat bullets to mm-hmm. riding on a cloud, you know. Wow. And, and after that, when I read the Bible, it was just, I can't put this down. Mm-hmm. And I would spend hours at night praying. I couldn't go to sleep because I didn't want to stop praying. Wow. It was that sort of a, you know, birth, you know, into a right. new life, you know. Right, right, right. And so that's how I came to the Lord, is sort of trying to prove that he wasn't there to him proving to himself that he was, you know. Yeah. So did you ever meet up with that fellow from the No, I never seen him again. Oh, wow. You know what happened, too, is is after, I don't know, it it was probably 10 years, and one day we were saying, you know, we should really see if we can find him and tell him Larry's story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the time, he was a young person in this coffee house, so he's probably 18 or 16. Probably, in, in, or what do you call them, intern or whatever? What do they call them? Oh, yeah, like an intern or um, yeah. working in a church or something. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. so I, I Googled his name and his obituary came up. Really? Yeah, so he probably died at about the age of 50, maybe. Oh, not even that. No. No. No, I guess he was younger than me, so. Anyway, yeah, he he, he died never, early. Never got a chance to tell him. Oh, oh man! But I will someday. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That'll blow his mind, hey? When he, yeah. <laughs> or maybe it hope, won't. Hope, no, but, yeah. All our minds are blown when we get there like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes when we think of people coming to faith, we so quickly think about someone saying the sinner's prayer or kneeling at an altar or something. But mm-hmm. here you. You went out and sat on a rock and, <laughs> and met the Lord, and met, yeah, and accepted Him. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what? What were things like after that? Like you say, all of a sudden you were just reading your Bible nonstop, and well, yeah, it was sort of a, you know, very exciting time in my life. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can't stay on the mountaintop all the time. And, right. Yeah. You know, you got to go back into the <laughs> this fallen world. You know, yeah. To make a living and this sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah, it was just around that time that we met. Mm-hmm. And so here, you know, she hadn't received Christ yet. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. she was thinking I was, this guy that she's engaged to is a lunatic. <laughs> All about religion. <laughs> well, it was interesting because I'd always believed there was a God. I always believed mm-hmm. in God. Mm-hmm. But then, and he had originally told me he was an atheist. and And so, of course, I'm like... Oh, well, then all of a sudden he's the extreme the other direction, and I'm like, what's going on here? Yeah, but at that point, we were presented with the gospel. Wendy and Rick had moved, uh, were in Russell. Okay, Wendy's your sister. Yes, mm-hmm. and they started praying for us because she had just become a Christian. Oh, wow. And then... We were, ha- you know, we were expecting Jeremy, and he came, and we ended up in Winnipeg because he had some health issues. And okay. that night, in the, we were staying at somebody's house in Winnipeg, and in the basement, and I knew that 
we needed God because there was no way we could heal this baby. And my parents had lost their first child, so I guess there was a lot of fear happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, when we got back from Winnipeg and started back on the farm, we decided to go to church. And and so we came to Russell to church. Oh, what, what prompted that? Wendy and Rick were here. Oh, okay, okay. So this has been our home church since day one for us. Right, yeah. yeah. Wow, yeah, so you, God meets you in a field, and yeah. and then you start coming to church and still plugging away at the farm? Back then, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Where where does life go from there? Well, right. I guess uh, the farming experience was a tough one from day one till day we quit. Hmm. Because I borrowed a bunch of money from Farm Credit Corporation, and they sort of gave me the advice that, you know, look where the price of wheat is today. Look back 10 years and see what the price of wheat was then. Now look forward 10 years. That's what you're borrowing on based on, you know, projected uh, things. That, that never came through. The wheat price of wheat mm-hmm. just stayed down there. We had some dry years. We had some low prices. We had, oh, it was... Always this financial struggle from day one, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. We actually went in uh, to farming. We borrowed in the early, very early 80s, which was a very high interest oh, time. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the famous 80s mm-hmm. around here anyway. Yeah. yeah, and so we were paying high interest and... Mm-hmm. It was just hard to keep ahead. And wheat prices were stagnant, and yeah, yeah. it was just always a struggle. Yeah, it was a struggle, and it was sort of, you know, we sort of we started borrowing money for the first time after five years, and then we, you know, got this line of credit, and we came to the end of our line of credit. We couldn't get any more credit yeah. to farm, so then it started to come down to, you know, should I, should I buy that real good spray or should I put on more fertilizer? Mm-hmm. You know, and when you start skimping on your inputs, it's going to hit you one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And eventually, it just, you know, we just uh, started falling behind and, mm-hmm. and uh, getting behind the eight ball, I guess. And, mm-hmm. and uh, about 1995, we came to the conclusion. 94 was the last crop. Yeah, our last crop year was 94. Okay. And it was sort of to the point where if I was going to get more money to operate, I had to borrow against the equity that I had built up. Mm-hmm. I had a bit of equity by this time because the value of my land went up. But okay. if I was going to borrow against my equity to buy machinery, then within a few years, the machinery is all old again and my equity is gone. So yeah. we, we got out while we still had some equity. Okay. We were able to buy this house, you know. Okay. So it just slowly came to the point where you realized you had to... Just had to leave. It just leave. wasn't working here. So what was that like? Well, that was, I guess all along, we had this belief that, you know, God is going to eventually come through. You know, things will pick up. We'll get back on our feet. We'll save the farm. And, you know, God promised to supply all our needs, Mm. this sort of thing, which is true. But he had other plans, you know, (laughs) which we are grateful for now. But, Mm. But at that time, it was very, very difficult to see things go down, 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 and God not making any kind of a move to help us, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what it looked like to us at that time. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if we should uh, 
I guess, yeah, I might as well tell you, mm-hmm. you know, this experience that I had with, uh, like we had sort of, our faith was, we're trying to hang on to our faith. And mm-hmm. so you, you know, you sort of have this in mind, you know, God's true, true and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. God's faithful, but it wasn't working, you know. Mm-hmm. So finally, this was after we had had our auction sale, we'd, we'd um, quit the farm, you know. It yeah. was gone. The land was gone. She knew it was gone. And I was really choked because I was, I thought that God had let us down. Mm-hmm. I thought he'd failed us. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of stuffed it and stuffed it and bottled it up and bottled it up for a long time. And then finally, I just couldn't hold it any anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I was driving my truck. I forget where it was at the time. I stopped, pulled over to the side of the road, and I sort of had it out with God. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I was saying things like, you know, God, I've been faithful ever since I came to you. I've been faithful. We've gone to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. We raised our kids in the church. We took them to the youth group. We mm-hmm. faithfully paid their tithes. We've, you know, we've um, served on the elders board, taught Sunday school, mm-hmm. led Bible studies, and all these things. You know, I've been faithful. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, took another track and I said, Lord, look at all my neighbors. A lot of them never darkened the door of a church and their farms are doing very well. Mm-hmm. And mine's going down the tube. Mm-hmm. And I was just pouring it out to God. I had had enough. Mm-hmm. And so I was basically accusing God of failure, failing me. But then I, uh, the final thing that I said to God was, Lord, if my children were in trouble and I had the wherewithal to help them, I wouldn't hesitate for a minute. And then I went silent and I knew something was coming. <laughs> but anyway, in a very, in a very, um, loving and reassuring way, God said to me, are you saying that you're a better parent than I am? Mm. And it just floored me. It just I was just so humbled by that. Mm. But at the same time, I I sort of felt him pulling me in again, you know. Uh, He'd yeah. said what I needed to hear, and I received it. Mm. And so I was just back with God again. Mm. Mm. And that wasn't the end of it, really. But that was the start of the, you mm. know. There's it, a bit more of the road back to kind of... Yeah, um... I remember we had to leave the farm, moved into town, and I didn't like it at all. And mm-hmm. although I'd sort of settled things with God in the truck that day, I was still mourning the loss of my farm. Yeah. You know, because we had plans. We were going to retire there. We we're going to, you know, maybe put our kids in college and that sort of thing. And we mm-hmm. sell the land when we're, we retire. And that's, it was our plan. Our whole life was in that farm. Yeah. And anyway, we had to move off the farm and into town. And I was really bummed about it. Yeah. And anyway, I was sort of in a depression for, I think it must have been about three months mm. in, a, in a depression spiritually. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to read my Bible. But I did all these things stubbornly because I knew mm. you can't quit that, you know. <laughs> but anyway, um, I remember at, at one particular time, I was trying to read my Bible and I just couldn't get into it. Didn't, didn't. It wasn't speaking to me. Mm-hmm. And then I came across Psalm 13. It was just a thir- uh, few verses, short psalm. And it's where David is saying, you know, Lord, will you, f- how long will you forget me forever? And my, my enemies are 
you know, say, where's your God and all this sort of thing. Yeah. And that really struck a note with me. That's where I was at. Yeah. You know, God, this is looking bad. You know, everybody's going to, you know, I lost my farm. I'm just negative, negative. I was depressed. And so I read that psalm and it just clicked with me. So I read it over and over again. That's all I read for about three months. Hmm. Psalm 13. And I don't know why, but, and I'd read the first bunch of it, which is, you know, the lamenting side of it. And I'd skip over the second, the last part. And finally, one day I read the whole thing where it said, yet I will praise you forever and all this, you know. Mm. And it just struck me, you know, here I am blubbering over a piece of dirt that I've lost when I've got eternity. Mm. I've got eternity with the Lord ahead of me. Mm. And so God just sort of pulled me out of that little quagmire again, you know, and, and with that little revelation, I was back on my feet again, you know. Mm. Mm. So, so God has been teaching me things all the way along. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. those are just a couple of examples. I mean, it was an ongoing saga. <laughs> but, you know, I, yeah. like yeah. we lost our farm and yeah. our plans were gone. But mm-hmm. it seems like that experience brought me so much closer to God than I had ever been. Mm-hmm. That I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that to have my farm back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I look at the farm as something that God used to, mm-hmm. to um, draw me to himself right. in a deeper way. Yeah, and little did you know at the time. At the time, I was I was just choked. And I was, just, yeah, you know, it was just a horrible struggle for me. You know. Yeah. yeah. So on, uh, on a day to day level, what did life look like at that point? Like you, you would have been looking for a new job and stuff. Yeah, we uh, were basically basically surviving on two part time jobs most of the time. Okay. So it was looking like poverty for us for the rest of our lives, and we'd retire in poverty. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we've done okay. God sort of, I guess you could say he restored the years that the locusts have eaten, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're, I'm retired now, and mm-hmm. we're not struggling financially. We're not rich by anybody's imagination, mm-hmm. but we have enough, mm-hmm. and we're happy. And mm-hmm. so you can ask for more than that, you know. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you don't have enough, you got to struggle there and if you got too much you gotta be t- struggled with temptation <laughs> yeah we don't oh, have yeah. either you know so yeah we're content with where we're at you know mm-hmm. god's faithful you know mm-hmm. but i think i don't think we want to uh, make out that those years on the farm were horrible either because they weren't mm-hmm. there was a lot of good stuff happened we were thankful um that the kids got to grow up on the farm they mm-hmm. They loved it, and we made good friends. We had, I mean, we've got friends that we still have. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a real blessing to be able to be there for the years that we were there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there is something special about the farm life, like growing up as a family on the farm. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of opportunities for just good life lessons. And Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was amazing, you know, like... And there was lots of times that God did special things, you know, like answered prayers for different things, and <laughs> it was a it was a good life. And I'm very thankful that we live on a small piece of land again. <laughs> Out in the country, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Can't beat it. Oh, that's the truth. Yeah. 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 There's a couple of things I'd like to share. Like, mm-hmm. God taught me a lot of things. Like, I'm very, what would you say, attuned to nature, mm-hmm. and God 
speaks to me through nature, natural yeah. things. And there's a few things, and people might think this is kind of crazy or kind of weird, but, you know, like God shows things to, to me about himself through his creation. Mm-hmm. That's scriptural. Anyway, one example was one time during a spraying time, I was driving down to the dugout with my water truck, and there was a little family of ducks against the shore right by the pump. And when I pulled down there, this whole bunch of little ducklings went skittering across the dugout to the reeds at the far end. Eh? Mm-hmm. But there was one little duckling that couldn't hardly move, just sort of paddled like it had one leg or something. Mm-hmm. And it couldn't take off with the other ones. So it was sort of struggling to get over to the other side. And the mother duck stayed between me and that little crippled mm-hmm. one until it got to the far side. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. at that time, like God spoke to me, the verse of Scripture came to me, I will never leave you or forsake you. Mm-hmm. And like God, through those ducks, showed me that he would never leave me. He would be mm-hmm. faithful. Like he'd stay between me and whatever was trying to get at me. You know? mm-hmm. So I sort of, that Scripture verse is my, the one I live on. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. my favorite Scripture verse. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And but it was just because of a natural little thing that God pointed out, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another example was um. This is this might sound crazy. It's, it's funny. God has a sense of humor. But when I first started farming, I was working with an open tractor, and one day I was uh, working headlands along one of my fields, and I was on that particular day I was just feeling down and depressed and just heavy. Mm-hmm. So I decided, well, I'm going to stop at the side of the field and I'm going to pray, have a prayer time, just to get out of this funk that I'm in. Mm-hmm. And anyway, I got off the tractor, cut the tractor off and went in and sat down on the fallen log. And I prayed and the feeling lifted and I felt mm-hmm. cheered up again, you know. Mm-hmm. So then I got back in the tractor and went again. But I decided from now on, whenever I drive by this particular spot, I'm going to take my hat off just to remember that God spoke to me there, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, for a couple of years, I did that. Every every time I went by this place on the headlands, I would take my hat off just as a reminder. But then one day I started thinking to myself, you know, this is getting kind of old. This is kind of weird. I won't do this anymore. I'll just, that's it's done its thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. next time I went around doing the headlands, a tree branch that was overhanging the field just cracked my hat off. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> wow. you know. No and, and I knew that God had touched mm-hmm. me there. Mm-hmm. And he was mm-hmm. saying, you know, I'm real. I don't mm-hmm. just live in your head. And it was just, it was an impacting moment. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of, I, the impact is still with me, you know. Mm-hmm. He pushed my head off. It was just the weirdest thing, you know. Yeah. But you might think that's a weird story. But to me, it was a, it was a word from God straight to my heart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then even when you start thinking about like the early stages of that little sapling, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it yeah. eventually grew and it grew in a way that yeah. that was just at the right yeah. height at the right time. And he knew just when it would be yeah. needed. Oh <laughs> man. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, that just oh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. still gives me chills when I think of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Some people might think, Well, it's just not coincidence. Come on, give your head a shake. Mm-hmm. But no way. No. That was no coincidence. No. That's amazing. There's another time that I'd like to share and where God spoke to me in a very powerful way. And it was in the fall, and uh, I was working in the field, and I spotted this 
big willow bush, and it was just beautiful fall colors. It was just, you know, orange and pink and light greens and yellow, just really beautiful. And I stopped and looked at it, and then I felt like I want to go over and check it out. So I stopped the tractor and I went into this willow bush and, and I walked inside it. And it was just like being in a cathedral. It was just mm -hmm. honestly, yeah. the sunlight shining through the leaves was just like stained glass. And it was just, mm -hmm. you know, just floored me how beautiful it was. And then God spoke to me there. And um, I started looking at these leaves, you know, and each leaf he created. And then I thought, you know, you know, man can make some marvelous things. We can make skyscrapers and jet planes and computers and you name it. But mm -hmm. he can't make a leaf. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. only God can make a leaf. And that's, God spoke to me how majestic he was. It was like he said, come here, I want to show you something about my, of my majesty and my splendor, you know. Mm -hmm. It was just a precious moment to me, mm. you know, because you know, once again, God had spoken, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's, I might be a weird guy, and but mm. if you're a weird guy, then God's got to speak to you in weird ways, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds to me like you're just a guy that you, it's just like your heart is almost listening for what God is going to tell you next. It, well, like, that's yeah, kind of because I'm it's through natural things, and I'm a nature lover. Let's say you know. How often do I like say I don't know I'm headed to feed the cows or something, and I'm just paying attention that I don't step in a cow pot. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but yet if I were to just look up and be praying with God at the time, maybe there's a lot more things I can be seeing. Well, maybe, but it, these are sort of random times when mm. when God approached me. I wasn't mm. looking for Him so much mm. at those moments. You know, mm. I remember one time I was it was in the middle of July, and I was stacking hay bales, and I was just thinking about God and. You know, praising God in my heart, and, and I started singing Christmas carols, "Joy to the World," and stuff <laughs> oh, like that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And the reason was that I just had to sing, but I didn't know any any hymns. I'd never been to church. Mm -hmm. They were the only songs I knew that had God in it, you know, mm -hmm. for Jesus. You know? Mm -hmm. So here I was, sweating it out in July, singing Christmas carols. You know? Weird. You know? yeah, if your neighbor had to come by it, that <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> What's Larry doing? <laughs> I knew he was crazy, you know. Now yeah. I know it. <laughs> Probably if I had come by, I thought you were crazy too. Maybe I, I was crazy. <laughs> you know, I had to express my heart to God, and that was yeah. all I had, you know. Mm -hmm. Christmas carols. I was going to ask you guys, I had always heard the story of your guys' uh, house on the farm I had trouble with some garter snakes. and Did that play into your guys' story? Very definitely. It was part of God's working in our lives. Hmm. I'll let you tell that one because you hate snakes worse than I do. <laughs> As Pastor Barry said to me today, that house would have been burnt. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget Remembrance Day 1996 because I was. it was a Saturday morning. I was puttering around the kitchen. I worked for a flax company at that time. I had had to meet somebody in the field later on and and uh, I was loading the dishwasher, and I bent down to put some dishes in the dishwasher, and there was a snake under the kitchen table. Well, yeah. I just, I ran to Shauna's room because she was there. I don't know why, but anyway, I ran there, and all of a sudden I thought, we got to do something about it because if I don't, where's it going to end up, you know? Yeah. 
So I went to the bedroom window and I just screamed at Larry like he thought he didn't know what had happened. And he came running up and so he caught this snake and and uh, took it outside, I guess. I don't know what you did with it. But anyway, we, okay, it's a fluke. It's just, you know, whatever. And so on we went and... It came winter, and of course, snakes don't move around in the winter very much. And so, was it that is still that fall that that the cat found one under the fridge? Yeah, uh, it all happened in that one year. Oh right. So anyway, Larry did everything he could to try and find any holes in the basement, any places that they could get in, and tried to fix them all up and. Mm-hmm. So, of course, like I said, winter was there, and, and uh, they weren't moving around. And in the spring, there was a bunch of them in the yard that came away from the where the sewer thing is, and so they were heading out, so we figured, okay, it's fine. But that fall, they started coming back. And we were sort of like, you know, what do we do? I mean... Larry and, Jeremy, Larry and Aaron killed tons of them out in the yard. Wow. And, but anyway, the one day I was, I just had come into the house or something, and I was standing at the top of the stairs, and I realized that there was one behind a piece of panel board on the stairwell. Oh, wow. And so I picked up my bags, purse, and my other bag, and went out of the house, and and said, I can't go back in. I can't if we're going to have to fight this all winter. So um, Larry was in Regina, or coming home from Regina from doing some crop insurance, and we ended up that weekend moving into Spy Hill. Wow. Wow. Because we couldn't, we realized there was nothing we could do to stop them. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, we were, we had sold out, we were living on the farm because we thought, you know, we might not be able to farm, but at least we're going to still live here. Hmm. But God had other plans, and that was, the snakes were sort of a way of prying it loose from our fingers because we were holding on to it stubbornly, you know. So basically the snakes, I think, I believe, were used by God to move us out of there. He had other plans for us, but Mm -hmm. we we didn't want to leave, you know, so we had to leave. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, because how else? Because it's a good thing to to live on a farmyard in yeah, a farmhouse, yeah. and how else would you know that you're, right, yeah. you're not supposed to? <laughs> I mean, of course, yeah, God can work in lots of different ways. But, yeah, yeah. yeah, but that way—that's the way He worked in that case, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what brought us here. You know. Yeah. So yeah. okay. Yeah. So you moved. You moved originally to Spy Hill, and then then to, and then to here. Yeah. Well, actually, we moved to Spy Hill, and we weren't sure where we were supposed to go from there. Mm. And one morning at church, Roy Custer said to me, I want to talk to you and Larry today. And Larry was in a meeting. He said, I can't wait any longer this morning. But he said, I'm wondering if you guys would come and live in our house for the winter. They were going down to Texas, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, Oh, that'd be kind of cool, you know. Mm-hmm. But Larry will never go for that. So anyway, Larry and I ended up going out for lunch by ourselves. And 
So I told him what Roy had said, and he said, oh, well, I'll have to pray about it. So that was Sunday, and on Thursday we went in and talked to Roy and Margaret and told them that we would move. And so we moved into their house in January of 99, and by April we had to move out, and we we had nowhere anymore. Okay, you're looking for... And so we decided, well, we could live here. Actually, your mom and dad sort of lined us up with this place because... Well, we found it on the market, yeah. and we came and looked, and we thought we liked it, but we thought it was too much money, and mm-hmm. and then we decided to offer, make an offer. And because your mom and dad had been good people that lived here, and they knew we were had kids and stuff, she decided that she was going to take huh. it. Huh. <laughs> yeah, so here you guys have been. Yep, here we are. Yeah. Yeah, getting a little bit into the uh, antique business. And yeah, and gardening. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to ask you, Larry, if you could say anything to the farmers of today, is there something that, that you would have on your heart to say to them? Well, for one thing, there's life after farming. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. we're, like, we are enjoying life now. You know? mm-hmm. It's not like it was the end of the world when we lost our farm. Mm-hmm. And I don't think God's going to take very many people's farms away like that, you know. But I think, uh, I'd say always be watching for God to speak mm-hmm. in some way or another, you know, mm-hmm. and sort of learn to recognize his voice when he does, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's something that I find easier than some people might not. But, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, like God is always ready to speak, you know, mm-hmm. and he has things to say, definitely. Yeah. You just have to have an ear for for him, you know. Right. We we have to be ready to listen. Right. Yeah. But somebody might be sitting there, listening and saying, "Oh, they lost their farm. I don't want to hear the rest of this." Mm. But the rest of the story is the best part. Mm. You know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well, that's good. Uh, sometimes farming gets so so busy, and there are things that like it needs your attention. Or else, you know, it'd be foolish not to, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, like, how do you find the balance of, of course, you have to put in the work to make things work, mm-hmm. but also, how do you slow your mind and your heart down to be on paying attention to how God is trying to speak to you that day? Or, oh boy, <laughs> uh, maybe pray and ask Him to speak to you. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Say, I, I want to hear from you, you know, because he wants to talk to us, there's no doubt. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to hear so much from him. Mm-hmm. Like, one thing the Lord said to me one time was, you know, you speak so much with other people, speak more with me, I have more to tell you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's God saying, let's get together, you know, let's talk. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, um, man, is, have have we covered everything that that you're hoping to cover, or... Well, okay, there's one more experience that we kind of found difficult at the time. Was, um, it, we were farming, of course, and it was in the fall and Thanksgiving time. And we were, it was a beautiful day. It was Sunday, Thanksgiving Sunday. We went to church and, you know, with the idea that on Monday we're going to get up and give her, you know. Mm-hmm. And so on the way home in the dark, it was like, Star Wars, there's calm lines in every field, lights going everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so I figured, well, I'm going to get up 
first thing Monday morning, early, really early, and get a start at it, you know. I got up in the morning and it snowed about two or three inches of snow. Oh, wow. Crops were flattened. And that was a tough one because, you know, we had gone to church because it was Thanksgiving mm-hmm. to honor the Lord, basically. And then we'd get up on Monday morning and it snowed, you know. Yeah. And all my friends had spent the, all Sunday and into the night harvesting, you know. Yeah. That was a hard one to swallow. But, but then it was very shortly after that that we were doing a Bible study or something. I don't know what it was. But God said uh, that he's more interested in growing men than crops. Hmm. And hmm. so once again, he spoke, you know, in my heart, received it. And mm-hmm. and uh, it was still a tough thing. Mm-hmm. The fall was tough after that because it was late in the season. The crop was wet. Yeah. But still, there was a spiritual lesson picked up there that God is more interested in me than in my farm, you know. Yeah, yeah. And what you didn't say about that Monday morning, it was the most depressing Thanksgiving morning that I can ever imagine. And finally, one of us said, we've got to pray. So the kids were all home. Aaron was two. We all sat down and everybody prayed. And Aaron was last. And he, in his two-year-old language, said, Jesus, sunshine, combine three words and that just broke the depression i guess if you want to call it that Mm -hmm. that day and it was like yeah we weren't standing and singing hallelujah but we were able Mm -hmm. to just move out and enjoy the rest of the day because Mm -hmm. of the words of a (laughs) two-year-old that's cute and we did we took the harvest off we never had a harvest have to go over winter so, there were so many positive things. Mm-hmm. You know, to go back to the beginning and wind it up, when I finished university, I had a degree in agriculture, and I could have gone and got a pretty good career, you know, in, in agribusiness or whatever, mm-hmm. and did done very well that way. And I, I often wondered, you know, what if I had followed that route? But then you come and you realize, if I had gone that route, I wouldn't have... The wife I have now, I wouldn't have the kids I have now. I wouldn't have the friends I have now, the church that I have now. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't trade any of that mm-hmm. for a career of any kind. You know? mm-hmm. Not to saying that life couldn't have been good another road, but what I've got now, I wouldn't give up any of it. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. God can work out your life in amazing ways, mm-hmm. in, in, a, in ways that the world would look at and, and say, why are you doing that? Or, yeah, why didn't you do this? You yeah. Know? You had your chance, you blew it. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, that's that's a perfect spot to uh, to wrap this up. And I can only imagine that people will be so encouraged from hearing well, what you had I to hope say. So, something that God said to me speaks to somebody else. And it's a success. Oh. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. Thanks for sitting down like this. Uh, that's good. I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. So there you have it. Thank you so much, Larry and Pat, for sharing your story with us. We uh, really appreciate that. And uh, thank you, the listener, for tuning in. Uh, we trust that God is going to use today's episode to speak to your heart. That's what this is all about. Um, I know the gaps between the episodes, they can get a little bit long, but yeah, we're just, we're doing our best to track down the farmers and, and talk with them and, and get the episodes out. 
who knew farmers could be so busy, hey? But uh, don't let the gaps in between the episodes fool ya. This is still on our hearts and we're still looking for the ways that we can make it happen. But uh, yeah, I guess in between episodes, if you wouldn't mind, just pray for us. And yeah, the, the more people that can hear uh, the different ways that God is working in farmers' lives, uh, the better. We have a website, farmersoffaith.org. Head over there to get in contact with us, or if you have a prayer request, you can leave the prayer request there. Uh, we also have Facebook, Instagram, and I think Twitter, which I got to admit, I haven't been doing a too good a job lately keeping up with that, but I really, really want to get back on that. So, uh, but yeah, we'll uh, look forward to next time. Thanks. <laughs>